The Apple of Contentment by Howard Pyle From the Collection, Pepper and Salt This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Amy Benton The Apple of Contentment by Howard Pyle There was a woman once, and she had three daughters. The first daughter squinted with both eyes, yet the woman loved her as she loved salt, for she herself squinted with both eyes. The second daughter had one shoulder higher than the other, and eyebrows as black as soot in the chimney, yet the woman loved her as well as she loved the other, for she herself had black eyebrows and one shoulder higher than the other. The youngest daughter was as pretty as a ripe apple, and had hair as fine as silk, and the color of pure gold. But the woman loved her not at all, for, as I have said, she herself was neither pretty, nor had she hair the color of pure gold. Why, all this was so, even Hans Fyfendrummel could not tell, though he has read many books, and one over. The first sister, and the second sister, dressed in their Sunday clothes every day, and sat in the sun doing nothing, just as though they had been born ladies, both of them. But as for Christine, for that was the name of the youngest girl, as for Christine, she dressed in nothing but rags, and had to drive the geese to the hills in the morning, and then home again in the evening, so they might feed on the young grass all day and grow fat. The first sister and the second sister had white bread and butter beside, and as much fresh milk as they could drink. But Christine had to eat cheese parings and bread crusts, and had hardly enough of them to keep good man hunger from whispering in her ear. This was how the churn clacked in that house. Well, one morning Christine started off to the hills with her flock of geese and in her hands she carried her knitting, at which she worked to save time. So she went along the dusty road, until, by and by, she came to a place where a bridge crossed the brook, and what should she see there but a little red cap, with a silver bell at the point of it, hanging from an alder branch. And it was such a nice, pretty little red cap, that Christine thought she would take it home with her, for she had never seen the like of it in all her life before. So she had put it in her pocket, then off she went with her geese again. But she had hardly gone two score of paces when she heard a voice calling her, Christine! Christine! She looked, and who should she see but a queer little grey man with a big head, great as a cabbage, and little legs as thin as young radishes. "'What do you want?' said Christine, when the little man had come to where she was. "'Oh, the little man only wanted his cap again, for without it he could not go back home into the hill, and that was where he belonged. "'But how did the cap come to be hanging from the bush?' "'Yes, Christine would like to know that before she gave it back to him again. "'Well, the little hill man was fishing by the brook over yonder.' when a puff of wind blew his cap into the water, and he just hung it up to dry. That was all there was about it, and now would Christine please give it to him? 
Christine did not know how about that. Perhaps she would, and perhaps she would not. It was a nice, pretty little cap. What would the little underground man give her for it? That was the question. And, oh, the little man would give her five tollers for it, and gladly. No, five tollers, that was not enough for such a pretty little cap. See, there was a silver bell hanging to it, too. Well, the little man did not want to be hard at a bargain. He would give her a hundred tollers for it. No, Christine did not care for money. What else would he give for this nice, dear little cap? See, Christine, said the little man, I will give you this for the cap. And he showed her something in his hand that looked just like a bean, only it was as black as a lump of coal. Yes, good, but what is that? said Christine. That, said the little man, is a seed from the apple of contentment. Plant it, and from it will grow a tree, and from the tree an apple. Everybody in the world that sees the apple will long for it, but nobody in the world can pluck it but you. It will always be meat and drink to you when you are hungry, and warm clothes to your back when you are cold. Moreover, as soon as you pluck it from the tree, another as good will grow in its place. Now, will you give me my hat? Oh, yes, Christine would give the little man his cap for such a seed as that, and gladly enough. So the little man gave Christine the seed. Christine gave the little man his cap again. He put the cap on his head and poof! Away he was gone, as suddenly as the light of a candle when you blow it out. So Christine took the seed home with her and planted it before the window of her room. The next morning, when she looked out of the window, she beheld a beautiful tree, and on the tree hung an apple that shone in the sun as though it were pure gold. Then she went to the tree, and plucked the apple, as easily as though it were a gooseberry, and as soon as she had plucked it, another as good grew in its place. Being hungry, she ate it, and thought that she had never eaten anything as good, for it tasted like pancake with honey and milk. By and by, the oldest sister came out of the house and looked around, and when she saw the beautiful tree with a golden apple hanging from it, you can guess how she stared. And presently she began to long and long for the apple, as she had never longed for anything in her life. "'I will pluck it,' said she, and no one would be the wiser for it. But that was easier said than done. She reached and reached but she might as well have reached for the moon. She climbed and climbed, but she might as well have climbed for the sun, for either one would have been as easy to get at as that which she wanted. At last she had to give up trying for it, and her temper was none the sweeter for that, you may be sure. After a while came the second sister, and when she saw the golden apple she wanted it, just as much as the first had done. But to want— and to get are very different things, as she soon found, for she was no more able to get it than the other had been. 
Last of all came the mother, and she also strove to pluck the apple, but it was no use. She had no more luck of her trying than her daughter's. All that the three could do was to stand under the tree and look at the apple and wish for it and wish for it. They were not the only ones who have done like the like with the apple of contentment hanging just above them. As for Christine, she had nothing to do but pluck an apple whenever she wanted it. Was she hungry? There was an apple hanging in the tree for her. Was she thirsty? There was the apple. Cold? There was the apple. So, you see, she was the happiest girl betwixt all the seven hills that stand at the ends of the earth, for nobody in the world can have more than contentment. And that was what the apple brought her. One day a king came riding along the road, and all of his people with him, and he looked up and saw the apple hanging in the tree, and a great desire came upon him to have a taste of it. So he called one of the servants to him, and told him to go and ask whether it could be bought for a pot full of gold. So the servant went to the house, and knocked on the door. Tap, tap, tap. "'What do you want?' said the mother of the three sisters, coming to the door. "'Oh, nothing much. Only a king was out there in the road, and wanted to know if she would sell an apple yonder for a pot full of gold. "'Oh, yes, the woman would do that.' Just pay her the pot of gold, and she might go and pluck it, and welcome. So the servant gave her the pot of gold, and then he tried to pluck the apple. First he reached for it, and then he climbed for it, and then he shook the limb, but it was no use for him to try. He could no more get it, well, than I could if I had been in his place. At last the servant had to go back to the king. The apple was there, he said, and the woman had sold it. But try and try as he would, he could no more get it than he could get the little stars in the sky. Then the king told the steward to go and get it for him. But the steward, though he was a tall man and a strong man, could no more pluck the apple than the servant. So he had to go back to the king with an empty fist. No, he could not gather it either. Well, then the king himself went. He knew that he could pluck it. Of course he could. Well, he tried, and he tried. But nothing came of his trying, and he had to ride away at last without having had so much as a smell of the apple. After the king came home, he talked and dreamed and thought of nothing but the apple. For the more he could not get it, the more he wanted it. That is the way we are made in this world. At last he grew melancholy and sick for want of that which he could not get. Then he sent for one who was so wise that he had more in his head than ten men together. Now this wise man told him the only one who could pluck the fruit of contentment for him was the one to whom the tree belonged. This was one of the daughters of the woman who had sold the apple to him for the pot of gold. When the king heard this, he was very glad. He had his horse saddled, and he and his court rode away, and so came at last to the cottage where Christine lived. There they found the mother and the elder sisters, for Christine 
was away on the hills with her geese. The king took off his hat and made a fine bow. The wise man at home had told him this and that, now to which one of her daughters did the apple tree belong, or so said the king. Oh, it is my oldest daughter who owns the tree, said the woman. Oh, so good! Then if the oldest daughter would pluck the apple for him, he would take her home and marry her, and make a queen of her, only let her get it for him without delay. Oh, prut, that would never do. What? Was the girl to climb the apple tree before the king and all the court? No, no. Let the king go home, and she would bring the apple to him, all in good time. That was what the woman said. Well, the king would do that, only let her make haste, for he wanted it very much indeed. As soon as the king had gone, the woman and her daughters sent for the goose girl to the hills. Then they told her that the king wanted the apple yonder, and that she must pluck it for her sister to take to him. If she did not do as they said, they would throw her in the well. So Christine had to pluck the fruit, and as soon as she had done so, the oldest sister wrapped it up in a napkin and set off with it to the king's house, as pleased as pleased could be. Rap, tap, tap, she knocked at the door. She had brought the apple for the king. Oh, yes, she had brought it. And here it was, all wrapped up in a fine napkin. After that, they did not let her stand outside the door till her toes were cold, I can tell you. As soon as she had come to the king, she opened her napkin. Believe me, or not, as you please, all the same, I will tell you, there was nothing in that napkin but a hard, round stone. And when the king saw only a stone, he was so angry that he stamped like a rabbit and he told them to put the girl out of the house. And so they did, and she went home with a flea in her ear, I can tell you. Then the king sent his steward to the house where Christine and her sisters lived. He told the woman that he had come to find whether she had any other daughters. Yes, the woman had another daughter, and, to tell the truth, it was she who owned the tree. Just let the steward go home again, and the girl would fetch the apple in a little while. As soon as the steward had gone, they sent to the hills for Christine again. Look, she must pluck the apple for the second sister to take to the king, and if she did not do that, they would throw her into the well. So Christine had to pluck it, and gave it to the second sister, who wrapped it up in a napkin and set off for the king's house. But she fared no better than the other, for when she opened the napkin, there was nothing in it but a lump of mud. So they packed her home again with her apron to her eyes. After a while, the king's steward came to the house again. Had the woman no other daughters than these two? Well, yes, there was one, but she was a poor, ragged thing, of no account, and fit for nothing in the world but to tend the geese. Where was she? Oh, she was up on the hills, now tending her flock. But could the steward see her? Yes, he might see her, but she was nothing but a poor simpleton. That was all very good, but the steward would like to see her, for that was what the king had sent him there for. So there was nothing to do but send to the hills for Christine. After a while she came, 
and the steward asked her if she could pluck the apple yonder for the king. Yes, Christine could do that easily enough. So she reached and picked it, as though it had been nothing but a gooseberry on the bush. Then the steward took off his hat, and made her a long bow, in spite of her ragged dress, for he saw that she was the one for whom they had been looking all this time. So Christine slipped the golden apple into her pocket, and then she and the steward set off to the king's house together. When they had come there, everybody began to titter and laugh behind the palms of their hands to see that poor ragged goose girl the steward had brought home with him. But for that the steward cared not a rap. "'Have you brought the apple?' said the king, as soon as Christine had come before him. Well, "'Yes, here it was.' and Christine thrust her hand into her pocket and brought it forth. Then the king took a great bite of it, and as soon as he had done so, he looked at Christine and thought he had never seen such a pretty girl. As for her rags, he minded them no more than one minds the spots on a cherry, and that was because he had eaten the apple of contentment. And were they married? Of course they were, and a grand wedding it was, I can tell you. It is a pity that you were not there, but though you were not, Christine's mother and sisters were, and what's more, they danced with the others, though I believe they would rather have danced upon pins and needles. Never mind, said they, we still have the apple of contentment at home, though we cannot taste of it. But no, they had nothing of the kind. The next morning it stood before the young Queen Christine's window, just as it had at her old home, for it belonged to her and no one else in all of the world. That was lucky for the king, for he needed a taste of it now and then as much as anybody else, and no one could pluck it for him but Christine. Now, that's all there is of this story. What does it mean? Can you not see? Prut! Rub your spectacles and look again. The End End of the Apple of Contentment 